When did you have them remove it? How did you move it? It was removed. Why didn't you call this guy? This is the plaintiff, Justin Ross. He says he owns a business where he places ATMs in businesses. And he placed one in the defendant's new bar. In June, he found out the bar went belly up. His ATM machine was gone. And the defendant is claiming he knows nothing about an ATM machine being in the bar. Hmm? He has the Facebook photos of the bar. You can clearly see his expensive machine in the pictures. And he's suing the forgetful defendant for the $2,500 he's owed. This is the defendant, Joey Acevedo. He says the plaintiff installed the machine by bolting it to the floor in front of the bathrooms, and the fire marshal ordered it removed. He called the plaintiff. Two guys showed up in uniforms with keys to the machine and removed it. Now the plaintiff's claiming he stole the ATM machine? Please. Who would steal an empty ATM with no money in it? He's accused of making a getaway. All parties, please use your right hands. What you are about to witness is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with a case pending in civil court. Both parties have agreed to drop their claims and have their cases settled here before Judge Marilyn Millian in our forum, the People's Court. People's Court is now in session. The Honorable Judge Marilyn Millian is now presiding. Litigants have been sworn, Your Honor. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, ma'am. Okay, Mr. Ross, tell me about your business. So I uh, place ATM machines in businesses and uh, pretty much collect the surcharges from the ATM machines. How old That's are you? I get paid. I'm 21. When did you get into this business? Uh, I'm fresh into this business only like a year ago. I got into it. Has it been lucrative? I mean, does it work out well? Um, well, so far I've had some bad luck. Yeah. And that, but you've been in it long, well, of course, a lot of that, I guess half of that time has been during COVID-19, but when you get a business that you're going to put an ATM on, you go to a place and you buy a machine or you finance the purchase of the machine? Uh, I buy it outright. Right. So how many machines do you have out at a given time? Uh, at that time, I only had two. Now I only have one machine. Okay. So you find out that he's going to open up a business. How? Uh, he had an ad on the Facebook marketplace uh, looking for investors. So I messaged him and asked if I could put an ATM machine in his business. Was this business ongoing, Mr. Uh, Acevedo? Like, had you already opened? Uh, no, it was under construction at the time. And when were you supposed and to open? March 1st was the grand opening. And unfortunately, 17 days later, we got shut down by... Uh, COVID. Right. Okay. So he contacts you. He asks if you want the ATM. You say yes. You actually get paid for him putting it there, right? Don't you get paid? Yes, ma'am. He gave uh, he gave yeah. our company $200 cash. 200 bucks. And then the idea is the ATM's there. And the way you make money, Mr. Ross, is that People need to use the ATM to pay their bills, and they pay $3.50 or four, whatever the service charge is. That's your income. That's how you do it. Um, so what ends? you knew that they hadn't opened yet, so you take it over there in February, and who meets you there and tells you where to put the ATM? Uh, Joey met me there, and we decided that that place would be good. We both decided that. Right. Now, 
What happens is you don't talk to him. Um, he doesn't open. COVID happens. And then when do you call and say what's going on with my machine? Because you know you hadn't put money in it to service it to get it going or anything else because he hadn't opened yet. So when do you reach out to Mr. Acevedo? June. Uh, he was still under construction in March, so I gave him some time. I knew COVID was going to slow things down. And then I, uh, I contacted him, and he, he says, what machine? There's, there was no machine or something. February 28th, you text him, hey, when are you opening? He doesn't answer you. Saturday, February 29th, because it was a leap year, can I get an update? He doesn't answer you. You text him a question mark. He doesn't answer you. March 1st, hey, he doesn't answer you. June 8th, sir, I placed an ATM machine at Desire Bar about two months ago, looking for an update, and he answers you, place closed down. Yeah. Where is my ATM machine, you ask? Why didn't you tell me? It never opened to begin with. He says, I'm at work, call me tomorrow. You say, okay, is a machine there for me to pick up? There's no machine, I have no idea. The place never opened because of COVID. Just following up to get a date that we will conclude and get paid for my ATM that was missing at your store. Thank you, and he says, we are still working on it, we understand. And you say, it's been a week today. When can I collect payment for the machine? We are still looking to get all the information. Our attorneys need your receipt from when you purchased the ATM machine as well as proof of ownership. So you send it to him and you show that it's a $2,500 loss for you. And what? Crickets? The silence word? Mr. Acevedo, where's the machine? What happened? The club was open in March. The, we called the number in the machine. Uh, within the next day or so, two gentlemen came in. They had keys for that ATM machine. Uh, I had them removed it because the fire marshal said that it was blocking uh, the access for the bathrooms and the kitchen. It had to have a 48, um, I guess, When did entrance. you have them remove it? How did you move it? Was it was removed. Why didn't you call this guy? You have a contract with him. There's an address on the contract. You have his phone number. He texts you and he, you still have the same phone number because he texts you later, and you're like, I don't know, place closed. Why didn't you call him and tell him you need to remove the machine? At uh, the time, uh, that phone that I had back in February, I upgraded, so I lost all the contacts because I didn't back up on my iPhone. So why didn't you look phone. on the contract and find him? I should have looked at the contract, correct. Tell me who you say you gave the machine to, because in your text, you have no idea where the machine went. None. So what is it you're telling us all now? You called random people and told them to take it? We called the number on the machine. Uh, within two days, which we have cameras uh, in our property, uh, they came, we removed the machine, they had keys, they, they were able to open inside the machine. As soon as I find out that it was not even connected, it had no money, it had no safe. They said, oh, this machine is just sitting here, abandoned. And then they even what offered me to- What company re did you it. call? Listen to me, dude, I can't look at the machine and see who you called. Tell me who you called. We, we called the number that is on, on the sticker on what the What number is that? What number is that? It's like a 1-800 number, 1-8 number. It's like the-, the Dude, the, are you serious? Are you listening to yourself? You can't even tell me, listen, I called this number. I did this. You have cameras everywhere in a joint like this. So show me the video of the people taking the machine. Yeah, the, the police department, uh, when he called, uh, they reviewed the cameras. And it doesn't tell them much. It was just two black gentlemen. They had keys. Uh, we didn't ask for ID because they had keys for the machine. What did you just say? They two even, black guys? Uh, it's just two black. It's two, just two black gentlemen. It's always right. Okay, let me ask yeah, you a I question. Know, yeah. 
Yeah, let me see the video for myself. Oh, I didn't. I was. I didn't know I was supposed to submit it on uh, for this thing. I, nobody asked, so I'm so sorry. How about you just tell us who you gave the machine to? How about you do that? You haven't got anything, right? Let me ask you a question, Justin. What happens? Is there a theft market for the machines? That's what yeah. I'm asking. Yeah. Why? How can they use it? Because there there's was no, no code lock yet. Code. Yeah, it was brand new. Let me ask you a question. When he says, I called the number on the machine, is there a number on the machine? Yes, there was a number there. And I was actually on the phone the whole time with my uh, ATM. The person who got me into this business, he, he guides me through this business. I was on the phone with him the entire time. And we called the person together and we confirmed that uh, they did not remove They the never machine. got a phone call. They never picked it up. Okay, well, here's where the problem lies, uh, Mr. Acevedo. It's a $2,500 machine. You tell him your lawyers want the receipt. Well, what did your lawyers do when he sent the receipt? He read his text message and he said, oh, we're going to put a lien on the business. And he said, let's take it to court. Uh, we were willing to work with him, but when he was well, where's your lawyer now? Willing to work with him and do what? Willing to work with him and do what? You owe him $2,500, fair and square. There is nobody. Correct. There's a contract, Correct. and let's see what the contract says. The contract says the business owner must look after the ATM machine and make sure no one damages it while it is on their property or they will be found liable. So you're liable for the loss of the machine. So um, in what world do you get to dictate how you're going to, quote, work with them? What, what did work with them mean? We, we had the attention and to pay him, uh, Your Honor, but unfortunately when he was making threats to file a lien, what do you uh, mean threats? If I, he didn't threaten to take a bat and break your knees. He told you he was well, going to take legal action. Correct. So if you have an intent to pay him, what you would say to him is, okay, here, let me respond to your text instead of ghosting you, and let me explain to you, can I pay you 500 this month? I don't see any of that. So I don't see any intent to pay. So do me a favor. Stop. I know everybody's hurting. I'm sorry that your bar didn't get to open, but it's free to answer the guy. Okay? Instead of doing what you did. It's free to say to him, I am so sorry. I don't know what happened. I screwed up. I will pay you. Let me pay you. But instead, your answer is, oh, he started filing threats, so I'm just going to... What if you had something that was... If I took your car and I didn't return it, what would you do? Nothing? Please. $2,500 verdict for Mr. Ross, plus prejudgment statutory interest, Plus your court costs. Good luck to you. So the plaintiff is going to get the money to replace the ATM machine from the defendant. Mr. Acevedo, what do you what do you think of the judge's decision? You're on the hook for it. You got to come up with the cash now. Well, um, I think that uh, it's unfair because um, uh, the gentleman completely avoided us for a while. Yes, he was texting me, um, and at the time, I don't. I don't think I was paying attention to my uh, my phone like that. But uh, we'll do the right thing and take care of it. Yeah, well, you're going to have to. That's what the court says. The judge has decided you have to. So, Mr. Ross, you're going to get your money back now. Think you're going to go out and buy another machine? <laughs> what do you do? Uh, just happy I don't have to deal with this guy anymore. I appreciate that. What are you going to do with the money, with the 2500 Will you stay in this business? Most likely, but I think in the future I'm going to buy a, a route where I have more machines at once. I think that's a smart... Let me ask you a quick question. A lot of people wonder about this. How much money can, a, can an ATM machine hold? Oh, 
probably at least 20 grand, I'd say. Well, listen, good luck to you. I, I hope things work out for you in the future. Sorry you lost your machine. <laughs> That's a shame. All right, let's join the judges for another session of After the Verdict. Here they are. You know, this was quite a production to get that thing out of this bar or restaurant. It took two guys. They got to weigh a lot. I mean, you can't just pick them up and move them. I, so. think, I want you to think through what this guy said. He said, somebody comes and brings a machine. It's obviously expensive, right? right? It, it's obviously has some serious worth. Instead of calling the guy back or looking at the contract, if you, you can't find his phone number because you have a new phone, instead of driving 10 minutes to wherever the address is that's on the contract, he literally just gives it to, oh, I saw a number there, so I called him. I mean, the you think that really happened? I think they cracked the it open, there was no make, money, and they tossed it. Right. You know? The story didn't make a lot of sense. But, you know, the police answering a call like that, typically they're going to say, well, it's just a civil matter. But they could also, if they were aggressive, Absolutely. and you got an aggressive state attorney and an aggressive police department, they could come in and say, you know what, we've got enough evidence of intent. Uh, we think this is a grand theft. And wham, next thing you know, you're going for a ride down to the yeah. county jail. And that's that. So Timmy wants to know, hey, Harvey, when a person uses the phrase time is of the essence, how long does that give a person to complete the job? Well, there's no magic figure, but the reason you put time is of the essence in is this, that if you put a date that something has to be completed in the contract and you write the words time is of the essence, then it has to be done by that date or you can generally undo the deal. If you don't say time is of the essence, a lot of times judges will give you some kind of leeway or the other person some kind of leeway. So that'll do it for this case. Uh, litigants for the next case are inside the courtroom. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot This is the plaintiff, Merritt Young. She says she rented a condo from the defendant. And the irresponsible woman hired an unlicensed plumber to do work on her bathroom and he started a huge fire. 24 apartments were affected. The building had to be vacated, and the woman tried to get her to lie to the homeowners association and say the plumber was indeed licensed. She refused. She moved out after 10 years of living there, and now the defendant won't return the $1,800 she owes her. So she's suing. This is the defendant, Joanne. She says she rented her beautiful condo on the water to the plaintiff. And when she put it up for sale, the woman turned evil. That's right, she did everything in her power to obstruct the sale by not granting access to potential buyers. She lost out on a sale. The plaintiff wrecked the place before she left. And if anyone's owed money today, it's not the plaintiff. She's accused of a terrible tenancy. The defendant has filed a countersuit for $3,000, the money it cost her, losing out on a sale. 
All parties, please raise your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff says an unlicensed plumber hired by the defendant started a fire and the plaintiff had to vacate the apartment. But the defendant says the plaintiff turned evil once she found out she was selling the condo. And that's what's really behind all this. It's the case of what? A terrible tenant. Thank you, Douglas. Welcome, Okay, Ms. Young. I am here seeking a um, security deposit from an apartment I rented from the defendant from 2010 to 2019. Okay. And how much was the security deposit? $900? Correct. Okay. Yes. And because Connecticut law says that if you don't return, the, if you don't follow the law, you get to double it, then that would be $1,800, correct? Correct. That's why you're seeking double. Now, how long did you live there? Nine years. It's a really nice place. It is. Where is this? In Milford, Connecticut. It's beautiful. Anyway, so I'm sure you enjoyed living there. And then at some point in July of 2019, she informs you that she's going to sell the condo and that you need to live somewhere else, correct? Correct. And how did you react to that information? Well, first of all, the realtor that was working with me um, tried to find an investor, meaning someone would buy the condo and I would remain there. It would be in an Yeah, you wanted to stay there. I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Uh, Ms. Joanne, let me ask you a question. She lived there for almost 10 years, and then uh, everything was great until you told her you were selling. According to you, what went wrong once you told her you were selling? At the beginning, she wanted to rent uh, and buy later on. And then in, the, in September of, I believe it's 2018, before it went up to, for sale, that September, I asked her if she was, at this point, ready to buy. And she said to me, no, you know I can't. And I said then, because of my health and dialysis and transplant and everything else, I needed less responsibility. And then I did revisit with her in June of the following year. And I said to her, we are going to put it up for sale. I have a question for you. Is she on a month-to-month -month tenancy, or was she in the middle of a lease? Yes, it started to be in month-to-month. -month. Right. If it's month-to-month, -month, you don't have to give her any more than 30 days' notice that you want to sell. You don't, you're not, there's no blood oath between you two that where you have to you know, get her approval to sell. It's not your place. If you're on a month-to-month, -month, Ms. Young, all you have is a right to live there 30 days. Um, but when did you sell the condo? When did you have it sold? In January of 2019. Okay. All right. And so she moved out in anticipation of the sale. She did finally move out in January, right? So then why are but you counterclaiming $3,000? Can you explain your counterclaim to me? I had to meet with prime properties uh, maybe over 100 times because of harassment, her negligent, her dog peeing everywhere. And every time I had to go, I had to pay a fine because of what was happening. Um, I have submitted. Why didn't you submit the bill to her when she would do that? I have letters that I, I sent to her. Did she ever pay them? No. 
Did you ever pay any of your fines, Ms. I was uh, Young? I asked to pay. Well, that's the part I'm surprised asked. about. You had the most beautiful spot in the world and a landlord that doesn't demand anything of you. I don't understand why, if you're getting fined over her dog and her behavior, I don't understand why you're not submitting them to her the next month and saying you got to pay this. But I did. I, I sent them to her. I have And then you of tell her, for non-payment of rent, you're getting evicted. Then that's non-payment if she doesn't pay them. You don't have to take it lying down. <laughs> you are so right. Your Honor, I did, I did want to finish why I was counter-suing. Uh, I had a buyer even, like, on the very first day uh, that it went up uh, for sale, and it was a neighbor's mother that won it. She knew the layout. She knew everything. But because of Florine, she wouldn't let anyone in. You had an appointment. She found every single excuse as possible. Three months went by, and uh, the woman decided, because I don't need any of this frustration. And in the meantime... Okay, but I, now I need you... I, even if you were able to prove that, it would make no difference to me, and I'm going to tell you why. You had a situation where it was a month-to-month -month tenancy. You absolutely, 100%, had the right to file a termination of the tenancy. It's not even a, an eviction for non-payment. It's just, hey, we have other plans now. And you go to court, and first you send her a notice that says, you're terminated. You got 30 days to find another place to live. Because that's the only right she has. And your realtor, I know you had a realtor helping with that. I don't understand how the realtor didn't explain stuff like that to you. I mean, yes, court takes longer than we want it to. That is true. That is part of the reason why that even during this COVID pandemic, the people's court is open for business. Because we know that you guys have stuff hanging over your heads and that you need resolution. People need resolution, okay? Now, let's talk about the damages to the place. That's what I would like to go over. What is this a picture of? It needed a lot of cleaning. Yeah, kind of gross. Damaged cabinets. Okay, there's a face missing down there. Right. So there was a glass sliding door that you had to replace, and that had to be replaced. Why? Uh, because Florine's chair, iron chair, hit it, hit the door, and okay. it cracked. Do you have a picture of the cracked uh, sliding glass door? I deleted it, believe it or not. Why would you do that? Uh, stupidity. <laughs> Did you break the sliding glass door? Because I do see a bill for replacing it, and it says that it's broken. So did you break the sliding glass door, Ms. Young? No, it was 30 years old. Is that accurate, that the sliding glass door that was broken was a 30-year-old sliding glass door, Ms. Joanne? Uh, it was the second one in the unit. Now, I don't know when the first one was installed, but I did it when I bought it. And that was... All right, and the I other thing that you're keeping security deposit for is... Clog, plumbing bills that you got, pretty big size repair is something about candies that were, apparently candies were making their way into the electrical heater in the bedroom, melted candies or cough drops. Uh, Ms. Young, melted candies or cough drops, you remember that? In the, uh, no, making their way I into the heater? No. Okay. You know, it's kind of hard to try to figure out the value of either a 30-year door, a 10-year door, a 15-year door, but... Uh, what time is it, Douglas? Well, Your Honor, I'm, I'm feeling like it's a little rough justice coming. It's rough justice time, isn't it? 
But, um, you know, look, from what I'm looking at, the damages here are way more than 900. And I am not going to find in your favor, Ms. Young. I find in Ms. Joanne's favor on this case. And Ms. Joanne, as for your counterclaim against Ms. Young, for the speculative $3,000 because you could have had a buyer but didn't, that was all in your own hands. You could have evicted her. You didn't because you wanted to continue to have the place occupied and collect rent. So you don't win on that counterclaim. On that counterclaim, I rule in favor of Ms. Young. Good luck, folks. Well, the plaintiff does not prevail in this case. Let's talk to her and see how she feels about it. Ms. Young, what do you think? I feel as though a lot of the damages she's claiming covered a long span of time, not just the last year or two. Bottom line is, are you okay now? Are you happy where you are now in your new apartment? Oh, I'm happy where I am now, yes. Okay, well, good for you. Sorry you lost the case. Ms. Joanne, let me ask you a quick question. You got some really good advice from the judge. You probably should have talked to a lawyer, and you could have gotten her out a long time ago if you really wanted to, you know? She was on month to month. Exactly. I could have, and I should have, but that's my fault. Yeah. Well, you learned a lesson. Well, listen, you won the case, so congratulations. Okay, these are fascinating cases about renting issues. Comes up often in court. Let's join Judge Millian and her husband, Judge John, for more of our after-the-verdict conversations. Marilyn, you found for the defendant in this case the landlord, and the relationship between these parties is what we call tenancy at will at common law, which means you're kind of there at the will of the landlord. We usually call it a month-to-month -month tenancy as well because it takes 30 days or so to get somebody out through the eviction process or to give them proper notice. So someone who is a tenant at will or a month-to-month -month tenant doesn't have a lot of leverage in this type of situation when it comes to um, whether they can buy the unit, things of that nature. Here's the thing. There were fines, but even not counting those, the damages were enough. And she had been specific enough in her letter, which Connecticut law requires, um, that, I, that, you know, they amounted to more than $900 worth of damage. And even though the, the, and the plaintiff was kind of savvy, she knew Connecticut law, so someone tipped her off that, that if she doesn't give specifics in a letter with an X amount of time, that then you can double your request. But I don't think it got anywhere near that because there were enough, you know, in those pictures that I saw, especially the, the $500 electrical one from candies melting in there, you know. But at the end of the day, the damages certainly outweighed the They outweighed the amount of the, of the security deposit. Very well. So Christine wants to know this. Uh, hey, Harvey, if a jerk parks directly behind and across from my driveway on the street and I back into them, are they at all responsible for the damage of being parked improperly? That's a good question. And the answer is no, they are not responsible. If you are backing up, you have a duty to see what is behind you. And even if they're parked illegally, it's a stationary vehicle and you got to use your eyes and you got to use your mirror and you got to avoid the accident. And that'll do it for this case. The litigants for the next case are inside the courtroom. This is the plaintiff, Monique Morano. She says she paid a deposit in advance for a beach rental on Long Beach Island in New Jersey, and then COVID hit. She and the defendant got into discussions about canceling, and when she actually did, due to the governmental close down, the defendant told her no refunds. She pities this woman because when the world fell apart, all she cared about was herself and her commissions. She's suing for $2,525. 
the amount of her unreturned money. This is the defendant, Caroline Shaudel. She says the plaintiff was wishy-washy about canceling. And when she finally did, well after the deadline they agreed upon, she had trouble re-renting it and was forced to add a discounted price. Oh, the plaintiff for being indecisive? No way. She's accused of refusing to take a loss. All parties, please use your right hands. Welcome back to the People's Court. Next case on the docket, the plaintiff rented a beach house in Long Beach Island, New Jersey, and the whole state was shut down, so she wants a refund on the rental. But the defendant says the beaches were open, and it was legal to stay at the time, so she shouldn't have to give the plaintiff her money back. It's the case of refusing to take a loss. Thank you, Douglas. You're welcome, man. Okay. Ms. Marano, uh, you had big plans, as the rest of us did, for 2020. And you were going yes. to rent a house on Long Beach, New Jersey, for your 50th. Correct. And what happened? Uh, you found the defendant's uh, listing, and you liked it, and you were going to rent it for how long? One week. When? Uh, June 14th to the 21st. Okay. And uh, what ends up happening? COVID. Yeah. Yeah. New York. <laughs> And New York State was put on pause and uh, to stay in. Well, this is in New Jersey. The, the, the house itself that in question is in New Jersey. Correct. But I live in New York. So uh, what was your original plan for June? You were going to have rent a house for how many for one week and how many people were you going to have coming and going? And what was the deal? Uh Four to six. It was a girls' weekend. My myself, yeah. my best friend and daughter. Um, we were going to just rent the house for a week. I've been to LBI before, um, so I, it's one of my favorite places. LBI so. being Long Beach Island in New Jersey. Yes, correct. Okay, and uh, so then what happens? COVID hits, and what? Your friends don't want to go, or what? What is it that makes uh, you not want to have this, or you're not supposed to be around your friends, or what? You're not supposed to be around your friends. We're not allowed, not knowing if we're going to be allowed to even leave the house or go onto the beach because the beach was only open to people that live there, not people. Okay. And short-term rentals were on a ban. Okay. So, Ms. Murano, when all this stuff is going on, you contact Ms. Shudell and you say, what? Please give me my deposit back. How much had you uh, given as a deposit? 2525 and what did she say? She emailed me on the 23rd because the sec the deposit the rest 23rd of, the deposit of what? Money, April. Because uh, the rest of the deposit was due in May, May 1st. So she wanted to know if I was still a go. At that time, I emailed her back saying that um, I was not sure that short-term rentals had been banned at this point. She was telling me that they were going to be lifted on the 15th of May, but the way things were going, everything day to day, everything was changing. So um, I th said on the 25th of April that it would be in my best interest to cancel. When sure. she responded, right. So she responded saying, no, we should wait. You know, um, I'm willing to wait to the 15th. Um, is that the town's in the, the, the email on the 25th says, yes, I understand. My understanding is that the beach and the town will be open, but things will obviously and as with everything, be different. Let's take a wait-and-see approach. No worries on the 15th. Okay. And the reason why everybody's talking about the 15th is because at the time you're having that discussion, 
the governor of the state of New Jersey, had banned short-term rentals until May 15th, correct? And then what happens? So I said, okay, sounds good. Talk to you soon. That was on the 25th. On May um, 5th, she emails me, want to see if you want to go ahead with your rental. Beach Haven is open to renters. The beaches have not been officially open, but we expect an announcement any day. If you would like to move forward, let me know. I said, I thought we agreed to wait to the 15th. Uh, my concern is if I would be able to go to the beach because the governors are extending the public health emergency and that does not seem like that would be the case. What happens on so the 15th of May? I, said her, uh, I sent her an email at 7.26 a.m. and said, sadly, I'm going to cancel. There's too many uncertainties for me. Okay. Well, the question then becomes, do you have a right to cancel? And your feeling is, yes, I do, and I should get a full refund, which normally wouldn't happen. If there was no COVID, there's no question you wouldn't get a refund, because right? Because the contract says no refund. But you, your well, no, feeling the is contract, there's just, it doesn't say anything about no refunds? No. OK. Understand, though, that the default position of any deposit, first of all, you have a contract. You're going to rent a place. So the default position is you don't get to have your money back because you're breaching the contract. If you want your money back, you're supposed to go forward with the contract. So you wouldn't get a refund if there hadn't been any COVID. So now we have to see if COVID allows you to get a refund. You feel that because of the uncertainty in the world, you should have gotten your money back. My question to you, Ms. Shudell, tell me why she is wrong. Go ahead. Yeah, she signed a contract to rent our home. I mean, the beaches were open. But even if they weren't open, whatever she decides to do with my house under the contract is what she decides to do. But the short-term rental ban was lifted. The beaches were open. She needed to move ahead. I felt I could have countersued for the other half of the contract, which I didn't do, nor would I. She's 100% right. What she just said is 100% right. Because here's where it, first of all, I disagree with you. Let me not say what you just said is 100% right. Because part of what you said, I think, is very wrong. I think it's very obvious that when some, it is implied when someone rents a beach house that they intend to use the beach. If the beaches had been closed and she could not use the beach, under no circumstances would you be able to keep the money. But what ended up happening is that the governor of New Jersey extended it from May 15th to May 31st, I believe, and then lifted the ban. So. Short-term rentals are allowed during your rental period, and the beach is open during your rental period. I get it. It wasn't going to be the same thing you had envisioned for your 50th birthday. Perhaps your friends didn't want to be in contact with each other. So it's not the thing you planned. I get that. But this person was in a place when, at the time of your rental, you could go. If you couldn't go, and I have, believe me, I'm sympathetic, because I had children who were going to the Coachella concert in, in California, and there was a short-term Airbnb ban, and I'm like, thank you, Governor Newsom, because we got our money back. But otherwise, we wouldn't have gotten our money back, even though the concert had been canceled. Tough for us. So it wouldn't have been the rental we imagined. Tough. We wouldn't have gotten our money back, but then the governor banned. So you don't have that situation. Your situation is it might not have been what you wanted to have, but you could still absolutely rent and go and be with people you were quarantining with, and it doesn't matter. She doesn't have to return your money. The question is, can the defendant deliver what you contracted for? And the answer in this case is with the beaches open and the ban lifted, she could. So you don't get your money back. Now, I see some back and forth where, Ms. Shudell, you end up re-renting, correct? And you re-rent for a reduced amount. Right. So she wants to be made whole. She needs to get that rest of that money. 
and hopefully not sue you for it, which she could do if she hadn't re-rented. So okay. she does re-rent it. Okay. She's made whole. She doesn't have to sue you for the rest of it um, for, to get the benefit of her contract, which she's entitled to because she's able to deliver. And then, you know, you don't get sued for the other half, and she just ends up making up that amount. Now, do you have a copy of the rental agreement um, that you reached with somebody for that week? I ended up renting it for a month, literally, to cover my cleaning and pool costs, just to cover the costs. That wasn't my question. My question is, do you have a copy of the agreement? Not with me, no. Okay, but you have it, right? I yes. want to, no, that's all right. I want to see it. I need to see it um, because I want to make sure that it's not a windfall. You're not entitled to a windfall. Oh, you're no. entitled to advertising. If there were advertising costs or anything else, anything you're out. In other words, the purpose of court is to make you whole, not to give you a bonanza. So make sure you sub submit it, it to the court. The, the good news, Ms. Morano. Yeah. Ms. Morano, you know what the good news is? What? 2020 doesn't count. <laughs> so you never turned 50. Right. I wish. You never <laughs> turn 50. When you turn 51, that's going to be your 50th birthday. All right? Exactly. So, exactly. Uh, based on what I've heard, my verdict, of course, is for the defendant, but you're both lovely ladies, and I wish you all a lot of luck. I'm so Thank you. sorry. So the plaintiff does not get her money back. Ms. Moreno, let me ask you something. Are you, are you surprised at the judge's decision? I know you thought you were going to prevail. Uh, yes, I am. I... Um... There doesn't say anything about no canceling in the contract, but I guess, like the judge said, I'm bound to it. So it is what it is. Yeah, well, you got a, you got a good explanation from the judge. But in any event, hey, you haven't yes. had a birthday yet. That's good news, right? <laughs> <laughs> Very <Yeah>. good. <laughs> All right, Ms. Ms. Shadell, let me ask you a question. I know you said you could have uh, put a countersuit on in this trial, but you didn't. Are you sorry you no. didn't countersue? No. No, I feel horrible. There's no winner here. I feel horrible. Yeah, I guess you're right in that. Okay. Well, that's the way it goes, and I'm sorry about the COVID because that's what caused all of this to happen. Good luck to you. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. All right. Let's, now let's join the judges for another session of After the Verdict. Wow. Uh, it looked her. like the defendant was going to start crying. I know. She had tears in her eyes, and she <laughs> said, I'm sorry her. when she won. I think she gets it, and she understands exactly she feels horrible. You know, how the hardship is kind of spread all over the place with the current COVID crisis. But your explanation of the, the contract law was pretty comprehensive, and um, so many things can go wrong outside of the weather. And I saw that the contract that you, you were reviewing and going through did talk about weather and said, hey, we're not excused if it rains every no. day, et cetera. No. But we have, like here on Miami Beach last year, they had this infestation of smelly seaweed oh, yeah. that was washing up. And they were bringing in trucks, and they spent millions and millions of dollars to yeah. try to clear it. Yeah, but the, the mayor beach of Miami stunk. Beach was all over that. Right, the mayor of Miami a, Beach, who happened to introduce us. Who happened to have introduced us. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> so 30 years ago. 30-something so anyway, years um, ago. That was a, a bit of a catastrophe for people who were there, but they weren't going to get their money back for their hotel rooms or anything like that. Yeah. It smelled, and yeah. we get red tides from time to time And in sometimes Florida, you have bad weather. That doesn't mean you get your exactly. money back on hotels. You know or... what? In 1970, out in Oregon, when I was a kid, they had a 45-foot whale come up on the beach dead <gasps> on a nice beach area, and the people from the town decided to dynamite the whale to get oh, rid of it because they gosh. couldn't get rid of it. So they put a little too much dynamite in the whale carcass and it blew rotten whale blubber for like a quarter mile in all directions. It just rained down. So if you had rented a beach house there, there was whale blubber rotten all over your house, your pool, your car. But, you know, you, the beach was open. 
It was Cassie a little says, smelly. How have I known but... you for 30 years? This is exactly the kind of story you'd want to tell me. <laughs> and I have never, our kids are watching, they're looking at me, they're in shock because they've never heard the story, you know and what? I've never heard that story. You know story. what? I think I saw something in the news about it. That, like made you, a, that a, reminded a year you ago. of it? It reminded me of it. It was so long ago. But those kind of things happen, and they can affect your experience, certainly, but doesn't mean you're going to get the money back. Right. 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 So, John wants to know this. Hey, Harvey. Um, why don't plaintiffs use or claim destruction of private property or vandalism when their dogs are mauled or killed by other dogs and negligent owners? I get your point because dogs in most states are considered property. I think that's really unfair. Uh, but it's not so much an issue of vandalism. You are entitled to vet bills or the value of the dog if sadly the dog dies. But dogs are not considered living beings under the law.